Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. Morning, Rhonda, and Julie, and Chris, and Donna, all you guys that are getting on here this morning. Uh, we're going to probably have some new folks getting on this morning as well. We were down in um, Covington, Louisiana, had a really awesome time down there. The Lord really uh, showed himself in a new way to all of us. Matter of fact, uh, there was some new things that he was bringing forth uh, about himself, you know, and that's uh, really the kind of era we're in. The Lord's about to really show himself in a major way, some of the mysteries of Jesus. And uh, really, that's one of the ways we're going to be transformed into his likeness. We've got to know him. I mean, Paul, that's one of his major things is, oh, that I may know him, you know. And uh, we've got to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more it wrecks your mind. And uh, it cuts away all the carnal things that you've been taught and then places those things of God in your mind. And a lot of times when that happens, your mind, your carnal mind doesn't know what to do. It's, it's kind of challenged in its thinking. And uh, we were challenged in our thinking. And uh, it was amazing. Um, and I, I believe God's going to release some more things. I, I was up all night uh, the night before on Saturday night. And all night long, he was talking to me about what he's going to be looking like in the future, what God is going to be looking like on the earth uh, as he is in heaven. Because, you know, that same image of heaven has to be here on the earth. And uh, I can't wait for that to uh, be, we'll start being able to actually see some of that manifest. And I believe the first place it's going to manifest, just like Jesus did, and the first place it's going to manifest is in man. Remember that he was the firstborn of many brethren. And that's the same way it's going to start again. It's going to start in man again, just as it was with Jesus. He birthed a new man in the earth. And then that new man began to grow following the spirit instead of the ways of man. And we can see what that thing did. Him following the spirit, that one man following the spirit, out of him came all these tributaries of rivers of living water, you know, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, all of these people, uh, Peter, I mean, it, you can go on and on. Uh, and, uh, but it started in man through the spirit of God, but Jesus is the pattern and we've got to remember that. And so this is God's stories, 86, uh, studying on the Spirit of God, part six. Uh, there's no telling how many parts we're going to have. Uh, of course, we could probably talk about the Spirit for eternity because the Spirit is going to be there for eternity. But uh, I believe he wants to reveal more things about himself uh, because he's always revealing Jesus. And if we can understand the Spirit, we can understand Jesus because Jesus was the manifestation of, of the Spirit of God, and he was also the manifestation to allow us to understand what man goes through as well, following the Spirit of God. We've got to understand that. He was not a robot. He was someone just like us, except born of the Spirit, just like you're, those that are watching. Most of us are born of the Spirit, but we still have a will that has to die in, in order to you know, go, come into the obedience of God's will. And so I want to start off with the foundational scripture uh, with Jesus here talking about the spirit. It says in John 7, 37 through 39, it says on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we just talked about that. There was several rivers that flowed out of him, aren't there? I mean, Look at us. We're one of those rivers that those that are on here, you're part of this, one of those rivers he was talking about, even that came out of his heart. So you can imagine how many rivers God has, you know, it says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Well, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And of course, we can see here, Jesus is really want, wanting us to believe in him 
so that we can come into this place, this same place where the spirit is, that same place where we can be guided by the spirit, the same place where Jesus is. He's in the spirit. He was in the spirit even right here while he was talking uh, to everyone in the crowd on that wonderful day of tabernacles. And uh, we want to be there. We want to be where he is. He said that we, we could be where he was. He said we would be there where he was. And uh, I want to always be there. I know that I, we are there, but we're not aware. And there is a place where in Christ Jesus, in the spirit, that we can start being aware where we are. If we're seating in, seated, seated in heavenly places, in other words, if we have that authority in Christ Jesus, then I should be aware of where he is, what he's doing. But I've got to drop my doings in order to have his. And so we're going to understand a little bit more this morning about the spirit. And I want you to turn over, if you can, to Genesis 1. And I've probably read this a couple of times, but... I want to read it again because it's another foundation of, uh, of God. You can read Genesis and the end of Revelation. You can get the whole book pretty much and uh, realize that whole book is totally about the walk of the Spirit. And it all magnifies Jesus. Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form, without form, without form and void and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was brooding or some of us says hovering over the face of the waters brooding there means it was he was getting ready to do something he was being enlightened uh, at this point he was stirred up in a, in a holy way so when it's when, in this, when it's without form and when it's void, void there, another word for that is chaos. And when there's a lot of darkness, the Holy Spirit starts to get inspired. Remember that. The Holy Spirit starts to get inspired. So one of the natures of the Holy Spirit is that he, he patiently waits for there to be any kind of, it looks like everything is out of alignment. In other words, without form, it doesn't look like anything could ever prosper in it. And it's void and there's a lot of chaos. In other words, there's mentalities that are chaotic. It looks like there's no way you can bring order to this thing. And then there's darkness. In other words, there's demonic activity going on. There's people's attitudes that are agreeing with darkness. Everybody's in chaos. And it looks terrible. That's when the Holy Spirit is actually brooding. And so that's when we have to lean on the Holy Spirit during those times because he doesn't set you in chaotic places for nothing. Might want to underline that in your brain. He doesn't set you or lead you into chaotic places for nothing. Where he leads you is where he is brooding. Remember that where he is leading you is where he is brooding. So when he, when you find your play you, yourself and your life in this place of this chaos, somewhere God is brooding and he's waiting on someone to be able to be a conduit of uh, the Holy Spirit to be able to release basically uh, the opposite of what everybody else thinks should be released. And that's what he's doing. He's then after he is brooding, over this chaotic uh, thing that's going on, he says, then, then God said, remember that, then God said. In other words, you have to recognize that he's brooding, and then you're going to be able to hear what God's saying. In other words, you're going to have to die to your old self. You're going to have to die to your the thoughts of your mind of what you think should be done, which is a lot of wonderful wisdom that you think will work, but it never works. So if you die to that thing, die to all of your judgments of the way you're looking at your situation or the situation on this earth, the situation of politics, all of that stuff, and you die to that thing, you can actually be able to hear what God wants to say. And he normally says this, let there be light. In other words, 
He will say the opposite of what you think should happen. Have you ever said to, to a certain situation or to somebody that you don't like on the web or media, or you're seeing all this stuff and you cop an attitude, we cop an attitude, and, well, they should do this. And God is saying the very opposite of what you think really should be done. And so in the midst of this thing, he's saying, let there be light. So you can imagine what the angels were doing. Can you imagine what the angels were doing? They're learning themselves about God while this is going on. And they're, they're being sent out. As he's saying these things, things are being done. But they're learning as they're being led by his spirit. Isn't that amazing? When he says something, they're so one with him, they're gone. But they're learning at the same time. And so it says, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Remember that. Light is good. When he said, saw the light and he thought of it good, that means everything that is in light is going to have the natures of Jesus. It's going to have the fruits of the Spirit. So when he spoke it, it came out as, as all of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. All of that was led on that one, on that one word, let there be light. And all of those attitudes, along with that word, created everything with those attitudes. So when the light was, shot, was shining, there was the attitude of the fruit of the Spirit shining as well. Everything was consumed by the attitudes and the natures of God. Can you imagine that? Imagine breathing the air and you breathe the attitudes of the Spirit of God. Can you imagine that? Well, can you imagine what the sun really looked at like when it came out? Imagine what everything started looking like because it had the attitudes or the fruits of the Spirit. It was good. Isn't that awesome? Then it says, and God divided the light from the darkness. I'm sure he did. And it says, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and, and the morning were the first day. Now you got to remember that. The evening and the morning was the first day. So every evening, there's, it's, the, it's the, the first start of your new day. Remember that. Your evening is the first start of your new day. Got to get it. In other words, your darkness is the start of your new day because that's when he would that's what he said so the evening and the morning were the first day so really in the jewish calendar if you look and study that the first day the start of the first day is at six o'clock every evening so god always did his work in the evening which was the beginning of the dawn of the new day oh that's that's enough right there you can just start the whole day to right there your evening is the dawn of the new day. Remember that. So we've got to understand there where it says, uh, where the, he divided light from darkness. There's a scripture in John uh, 1 through 2, John uh, chap chapter 1, 2 through 5, sorry, where it says this. He was in the beginning with God, talking about Jesus, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And in him, in him was life. So you can imagine what he was speak, how he was speaking, because there's a dimension here. There's two different things here. There was life. He, when he spoke it, there was the attitudes of life that was spoken into the chaotic place, the, th the things that were going on. And it says, and in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Oh, wow. So he was not only speaking life, but in him, in, in, in the spirit, there was the life of man. So there will be a, a, a group of people that will be doing the same thing. They were one. God was one with them. They were one with God. So they were speaking, they were speaking life into the midst of darkness. Isn't that awesome? Because there, we can see in here, uh, I think it's in 
3, he says, let us make man into our image. So you can, you can see that God is not by himself. And we can see here, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So there will be, when, when God spoke, it divided the light. It divided the darkness. The darkness could not comprehend it. Now, prophetically there, we can see that there will be men that are in him will walk just like Jesus, and they will be doing the same things and have the same attitude of Jesus, as Jesus, and darkness will not be able to comprehend it. In other words, uh, the, one of the dimensions of understanding there is that the carnal mind or the men that are in carnality will not be able to comprehend what we're truly doing and how we're truly walking. They want your mind, the carnal mind, cannot comprehend the ways of God. Romans 8, 7 talks about it. It says the carnal mind is at enmity with God. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verse 14 through 16, it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. There's that darkness. For they are foolishness to him. So you can imagine what a lot of things were going on. You imagine the, 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 the thoughts of men, the, the, what was going on even during creation. It just the same thing that was happening there is the same thing that happened when Jesus was, came on the scene. People could not comprehend it right away. But there, was a, there were men that became, became one with him and was able to start comprehending it. And then you find these men writing the books or the, the Gospels. You see Paul writing most of, the, uh, most of the New Testament. You see John writing the book of Revelation. They became one with him. And it says, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may, be, may instruct him? Nobody. It's only the Spirit. But watch this. But we have the mind of Christ. So in other words, we can't understand God, or we can't understand the Spirit all by ourselves. And how many of us out there are have this subconscious thoughts of thinking that you know what the will of God is? How many of you uh, ha have approached people and they go, man, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that, you know, and you know it's wrong, but you can't tell them because they threw the trump card on you. They said, the Lord told me. The only way we can understand the, the mind or the mind of the Lord is that if we're together, so we've got to start understanding we, we all see in part and hear in part. And so the reason we he's allowed that is so that it can bring us together so that we all can have the mind of Christ. And we can't have the mind of Christ unless we're all together. That's why he said in the beginning, let us make man. So everybody was together on the mind of God creating the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? You have to be together. You say that with me. You have to be together. Isn't that awesome? I'll, I'll skip down here because uh, I'll show you in Genesis 1.26. says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our, say our, our likeness. Our likeness. In other words, he, God is not just one person. He is a many-membered person. We are the body of Christ. That's literal in heaven. There is a literal body of Christ that makes up him. And he's saying, let us, everybody was together in one. Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing and that creeps on the earth, then says, so God, God being many-membered man, think about that, the body of Christ, so God created man in his image, of course he did, because that many-membered man would look glorious, 
They was all one with Christ. It was all one together. And he, he made that image on the earth as it was in heaven. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome, isn't it? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Notice that, male and female. In other words, there has to be two that agree. Where one or two or three, two uh, or three are gathered it together in his name. Where is, it? Where is he? He's in the midst. In other words, when there's oneness, there's God. When there's, where there's oneness or agreement or love for one another, there is God. I love this because he, he's not going to do what he didn't do in heaven. So he created the first image of what it looked like. So here you've got two that are agreeing with one as it is in heaven, and they're doing the exact same thing as God is doing, as God did on the, on the heavens, on the earth. And wherever they would go, they would take dominion because in between them, was the glory of God, just like the two cherubims. You see the two cherubims on the on the box of the Ark of the Covenant? There were two, and wherever there are two in agreement, there he is in the midst. Where there's two in agreement, there he is in the midst. And so they didn't really have to, they, they really didn't have to say much to take dominion, did they? Because it was basically God on the earth walking. All right, you wouldn't consider them men like we consider them. You would, would have seen them like, oh my, there's God. You would have seen them in a whole different image than the way we see them, the way we've been taught. All right, so then God, then it says after he created them, he says this, he blessed them. Oh, you got to remember that. He blessed them. In other words, when you're together, when you're in one when the body of Christ comes into oneness, then the full manifestation of the blessing of God starts coming. How many of us are loners out there? How many of us say, well, I just can't get in touch with anybody. I just can't do that. I just don't have the grace to be with people. I just don't. Well, all that is the, is the mind of the enemy trying to keep you divided from getting the blessing. In other words, if you allow the spirit of God, because the spirit doesn't do anything without agreement, whether you're in agreement with him here and agreement with him with one another. If we're going to be in agreement with him here with the spirit of God, we have to be in agreement with one another. Jesus did it so much. He wanted to be in such agreement. He wanted to be one with us that he laid down his life for, with us, for us. We were enemies of the cross and he still laid down his life so that we could trample him and see oh, our our own sin and realize what we've done and it caused us to repent, turn back to Christ and started agreeing with him so that we could come back and agree with one another and you have a body of Christ walking as one on the earth. Wow, that's a lot. Lorraine, I hope you're getting all these notes because this is a lot. I didn't expect God to show us a lot of this. I, I was just going to show us a little bit, but God somehow his spirit is moving right now. So, so he blessed them, them, not him. He blessed them, not him. God blessed me. God blessed them. And we got to, we've got to pray for one another and then you will get your blessing. Think about that. You've got to get your mind focused off yourself and on what God's will is, and it's for them, not just for him. Because if you get self-centered, you find yourself navel-gazing. I call it navel-gazing, and then you can't see where you're going. You can't understand what God's doing. So he blessed them, and God said to them, to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Here we go. Be fruitful if you want to be really fruitful and have the fullness of this thing that's coming, you got to get with them. And then you're fruitful. The commandment of God starts to hit and you're fruitful. You begin to multiply. You fill the earth. 
you start to subdue it. In other words, the full authority that you've always prayed to God, you've always wanted, comes through being with them. In other words, being together. Then you're able to subdue the things in your life. Then it, you're able to take dominion. Oh, and then it says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the everything, living thing that moves on the earth. So all those dimensions come by the Spirit of God bringing us together. That's one of the main things that the Spirit of God, the first foundational thing that, that the Spirit of God did with Jesus was, was one, he took him out and was led, uh, led in the wilderness to be tempted. But it, the main foundation was that he led him to go find them. He went to go find his, his family. He went to go find his family because he had to have two or three. If he didn't have two or three, if the Spirit of God didn't have two or three, he couldn't do nothing because Spirit of God doesn't work through Lone Rangers. It works through together. That's where the fullness of the manifestation of God begins to come down, show itself. Besides, he said we, we would be known for our, our love for one another, that Jesus would be known for our love for one another. They would know that he was alive if they saw if the enemy if the enemy and the world saw us together. Because if they see us together in love, they were not they're not just seeing us, they're seeing Jesus. That's why they'll recognize because Jesus will be able to manifest himself. They will know that he's alive if we are together. And when what happens is if we are coming to agreement together, then he becomes in the midst. And then everybody goes, oh, my goodness. There he is. Okay, that's a lot. Just to show you about togetherness, about the Spirit of God, about how God does everything together, even in Job, if you want to write this down, even in Job 38, 5 through 7, we see just a little shuttered glimpse of how God created a shutter glimpse. In other words, he just speaks something really quick. It's like taking a picture. The, the lens just opens up and closes. And he says it in this. He's talking to Job. He's in verse 38, 5 through 7. He says, Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the suns of God shouted for joy. The sons of God were there with him. Who are the sons of God? Romans 8 talks about it. You can look it up. They are those that are led by the Spirit of God. So you can see there was a family in heaven. There was a oneness in heaven. That's why he put the the ark, that's why you put the two cherubim. The two cherubim weren't there just to let us look at them as angels. And we imagine there'd be two cherubims in there, you know, just hovering over Jesus. No, there's much more than that. There, he's trying to show you that there was agreement in heaven. There was agreement in heaven. Besides, when you go to heaven, you, you'll look like angels. You'll look with the like, angels means you, you will have the same glory as the father. You'll have the same glory as the son, but you will be in agreement, but we can have this agreement here while we are, we're on the earth. Isn't that awesome? So he's creating with family. Say that with me. He's creating with family. So we're, that's why we're in this era of God bringing family together. He wants his family back. And, we, and if you can look at it prophetically, God is walking this earth looking for his family again as he did with Jesus when he was looking for his boys, when he called them to be one with him. Amen? All right. Uh, we must follow his pattern. This is the pattern. Jesus has this pattern. We, we just talked about it. He, he had to go find his family as well. That's the spirit of God. He finds family first. And it says in John 8, 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, those that follow me won't have the attitudes of darkness. 
you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, the, your, the, your nature of the Spirit will be long-suffering, you know, kindness, patience, all of those fruits of the Spirit. You won't have this, Galatians 5. You won't have this. This will actually get flushed out if you're following the Spirit. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornications, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and, the, and it says, and the like. In other words, there's so many, I don't want to talk about them, of which I tell you before him, just as I also told you in, the, in, in time past, that those who practice, remember that, those who practice, you want to underline that. In other words, those who make this a habit with such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are people that are still giving themselves to being angry all the time. How can you, have, have, have any of you guys had a certain problem with one of these, like hatred or let's say jealousies, and you just say, I just can't get delivered of this thing. Well, it's because you're used to practicing it. Your, the power that God has given you, you've directed it toward the fruits of the flesh and you've practiced the stronghold of jealousy. You've practiced it through the flesh and so you built something there. So all we have to do is start practicing the fruits of the Spirit. Practicing the fruits of the Spirit. And as you practice the fruits of the Spirit, what you practice building a stronghold of the flesh will start to die off. And then what you practice in the spirit, or the fruits of the spirit, will take its place, and then that will be your stronghold. So in a situation that comes that would trigger jealousy, it would now trigger the place where jealousy was, and that folder of that stronghold will pop out, and there will be love instead of jealousy. There will be kindness instead of jealousy. But we have to practice the same way we practice the flesh, we've got to practice the fruits of the Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit for, to lead us and to convict us, to make us sensitive to the fruits of the Spirit. And when you want to actually outburst with jealousy or wrath, and you hear the Spirit of God say, this is the place to love, you've got to humble your mind, humble your practicing the flesh, and practice that area of the Spirit. And it's not fun when you first start it. I can tell you that because you really, the flesh always thinks it has a right to do something that's bad. But the flesh has never had a right. You've never had a right to kill, steal, destroy. Never. Never. Just put that in your brain. All right, here we go. First John, here's Jesus's pattern. He... 1 John 2, 6, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In other words, if you're going to say that you walk with Jesus or you abide in Jesus, you say you're a Christian, then you've got to start walking the same pattern as he walked, which is walking by the Spirit. All right? Now, I want, you, I want to show you something. And this is going to be an example because I've seen this happen so many times in my life where I have I've had a time where it's chaos and, and uh, void and, man, I, I start panicking. I don't know if you guys ever start panicking because everything's in chaos and you want to just scream or run or, you know, and, and yeah, something Lydia said, it's not easy to do. That's, Lydia, that's the very lie that the enemy puts in our mind. That's the very lie. It's not easy to do. If we start actually destroying that lie, it's actually very easy to do. To walk with Jesus. I mean, think about it. If Jesus was standing right here, would you walk with him? Absolutely. That means he's, but he is standing right here. But see, our minds think that Jesus has gone on a long trip and so one day he's going to come back. That's the big lie. That's what the adulterer tells you in Proverbs. She says, she leads you into her bed and she goes, oh, my husband has gone on a long trip and has taken lots of money and he won't be back for a while. And it makes us think that Jesus is gone for a while 
He's on a long trip and we can actually just flesh out in this stuff. But that's not true. He's never gone on a long trip. He's been right here with us. He came to you through the Holy Spirit and now he abides in us. So my, my husband is always here. If I choose to take that lie, I'm going to, and he's on a long trip, I'm going to think just like that, that lie, oh, it's hard. No, he's with me. So I can follow him wherever he goes. I don't even have to think of how hard it is anymore because that's all lies. He's been with me the whole time. Isn't that awesome? And then I start getting the fruits of the Spirit. And I start walking in joy, destroying hatred. I start walking in love and destroying contention. I start destroying contentions and all that stuff. That's Galatians 5.22, 22 through 26. It says uh, the spirit, the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self control. Now I love that last one is self control, because a man who can harness his spirit can take over a city. And think about this: Jesus harnessed his spirit, and he took over the world. Isn't that awesome? He just harnessed his spirit. He learned how to harness his spirit. He learned to destroy the works of the will of the man through his own self and, and chose to not even listen to that and walk with his father. I believe one of the reasons why we've been taught that it's hard or the reason why we think it's hard is because we've been taught that it's hard. But I've never fallen in love and say it's hard. Well, I got to get that one. When you're really in love, you don't ever see your old self again. You never say it's hard. You're just so in love with, with that person. You just follow them wherever they go. You could care less about what anybody else is thinking. You could care less what the way you think. It's not hard anymore because now you're in the spirit. You're in that place of love and you've forgotten those things that have haunted you in the past. And here's the first thing that, uh, one of, one of the first things that Jesus did. Now, think about the first miracle in the beginning. There was, it was darkness and void. And here's the Spirit of God. He's speaking those things that are not as though they were. I mean, if I was there in, at the place of darkness and chaos and saw what he was looking at, I would have cursed what was there. I wouldn't have spoken those things that are not. I would have spoken those things that are. Look at that star devil. He's bringing chaos and all kinds of stuff. But he always speaks those things that are not. In other words, the things that you wouldn't think he would speak, he speaks. In the place that you think you should destroy, he brings restoration. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? All right. Now watch this. He does his first miracle, and then it's strange that he's at a wedding. At a wedding, he's at a place where there's about to be oneness. He's about to be oneness. It's wedding, same thing. You had a wedding when you received the Lord. You became one. You came out of darkness into light. So he's basically doing what it has done and he's reflecting it, what he did in the beginning. And he chose to do it at a wedding. And the weird thing about it, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding. See, on the third day, there was a wedding. He was resurrected. Everyone else was resurrected from the grave. And then everyone else at the Acts 2 were resurrected. In other words, they became one. So at, at, on the third day, there was a huge wedding. Everyone became one again. With Christ Jesus. <laughs> because we were, we were, we were like pots with no wine. We were just had a bunch of water and just substance, substance that man just drinks. But God gave us something completely different on that, on that third day, didn't he? So he said, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. I'm sure they were. And when they ran out of wine, man had run out. Okay? At this time when Jesus showed up, man had run out. 
And so Jesus came down and uh, says, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Of course, this is like us asking God to do something. When there's chaos, here's chaos, there's void. Can you imagine running out of wine at the wedding? Everybody's freaking out. What do we do in the background? And so the mother comes to him panicking. You know, that'd be us, you know. And we start quoting scripture at Jesus. Asking you shall receive. And Lord, we need some stuff here. Right now, I'm believing right now. And he says, he says this, uh, he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come. So she's doing like us. She She's chaotic. Everybody's ringing out of wine, and she's panicking. Have you ever done that? Oh, Lord Jesus, I just break this, and, and Lord, I just ask that you just give me this money right now. Well, Lord, we're just panicking, you know, and they're panicking, and she comes to him, and he goes, woman, my time's not come. In other words, I'm not going to do it. When you want to, I'm going to do it when the Spirit wants to. So even though we ask God to do stuff, a lot of times we're asking in panic and at the wrong time because we really don't understand the will of God. But because he understands that, the Spirit still is not moving on Jesus. Even Jesus is not going to do her panic prayers. He's going to do it when the Spirit of God wants to do it. Remember that. Jesus will do it when the Spirit of God wants to do it. And so there is a key here. You can pray, put all your panic aside, and you can listen to when the Spirit of God wants to do it. See, even Jesus is is being pushed to do something. But even Jesus quiets his spirit. He says, I... I'm not going to do it when you want to do it. My, uh, the Spirit of God has not told me anything. My time has not come. Even Jesus being pushed to like man is pushing him. He's being pushed to be like man. And then after a while, you know, after that, he says, she says, his mother said to the servants, she said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And so she walks off. Even though he's not answering her prayer, She's trusting that he will do it on his time. That's the key for us. When the Spirit of God, when we're panicking, even though we're asking, don't get discouraged. Wait for the Spirit to do it on his time. If you're panicking and praying, you say, Spirit of God, I know I've got an issue here. I'm panicking, but man, I really need this done. But your will be done, not my will. You do it on your time. I want to be in locked. I want to be locked down with you. And then after she, you know, walks off, he says, "Now there were set there six pots. That's the number of man. Remember that. There were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Purification of Jews. Didn't Jesus purify man? Yes. Containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece." And Jesus, can you imagine 20 or 30 gallons a piece? There's six of them. That's 180 gallons of wine that we're about to see happen here. And it says, and Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And that's what happened in Acts 2. After Jesus was resurrected on the third day, he filled them up to the brim, to the point to where their cup overfloweth. All right? That's what the Spirit of God does. He is now brooding. You can see him in the background. He is Everything's chaos, but now he's starting to brood. And as he's brooding, there is, a, there is a man, Jesus, speaking. And as he's speaking, there is a family of God doing the work. Oh, i got to get it. Remember the family of God in the heavens doing the work. There's six water pots. They're running out of water. There's chaos. There's darkness and void here. There's nothing left. And when he speaks, everybody, the family of God, is working together to create. To create. Man, that's deep. you got to get that one. Because you can see a shadow of what's coming on the earth. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. 
And so they filled, they filled them up to the brim. Didn't say God did. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the, uh, of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants had drawn the water new, they knew. Say they knew. See, everybody, the family of God knows where it comes from. If they're one together, they all know. And the master of feast called the bridegroom and said to them, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now, and that's what's about to happen. We're about to see the good wine about to come out now, because there's a family that's going to be working together to create the new things that God wants to create. But we're going to have to be led by the Spirit. And the first thing that we're going to be, have to be led by is be led by the attitudes of God and be led to be joined to one another. That's the Spirit. That's the nature of the Spirit. All right? He's keeping the new wine to last. What we're about to see is we're about to see the new wine be the last part. And so... This says, this the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And in him was the light of man. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. See, it wasn't just Jesus that turned the water to wine. We can see, we got to see deeper than that. It was his family. It was the ones that chose to be one. That's why the, the, even the mother said, you do whatever he tells you. So he had, when Jesus spoke to get the, get the water pots and get them filled, when he spoke, it first put them all together. It put them together. Put them together. And then they did together what God told them to do. And even Mary was the first fruits of uh, those ministers that will come and start speaking again. Do what he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. And I'm telling you, the first thing he's going to tell you to do, the Spirit of God's going to tell you to do, is get together. This beginning, the first signs of Jesus. Can, could it be that we're entering into the beginning of Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? The beginning of the true body of Christ walking with the Spirit again. And see, this is what happens here. It was dark and void, chaotic. Everybody's running around, panicking, and he's brooding. And Jesus can feel him brooding. He's brooding. Somebody's trying to get him to panic, to get out of that alignment with the, with the Spirit. He says, no, my time has to come. And then when it was time, he was locked in. Then the Spirit of God worked through, brought everybody together. The Spirit of God brought everybody together through Jesus Christ. And then the family of God created it. And everybody got to drink and be one. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Mary being the first one, she's like a shadow of us. She... She knew her son. She knew her son. Even though she may have done it, asked him on the wrong time, she knew her son. And that's some of us. We know we know the son, but we haven't learned to ask him on the right time. But we're we're trying our best. I'm telling you, it's time. So follow the spirit. This is one of the areas of the spirit that we've got to we've got to have is the the fruit of the spirit. We've got to have the mind of the spirit. And Jesus, man, the Spirit of God led him to a place where it was chaos. He didn't lead him to a place that's beautiful and wonderful. He led him to a place where everybody was pushing on him, trying to get him to do their will. Remember that, guys. Lose your will and you'll find God. I guarantee you. Because your will is nothing but chaos and void. Our will, our will always leads us to chaos and void. Leads us to poverty. So, and the other ones, I want to throw this out. The other one of, of the attitude of the underworld that kills you is, is Colossians 3, 5 through 11. 
I want you to write that down because this is the rest of his notes for this part five. Colossians 3, 5 through 11. All right. Well, I hope this helps. Uh, there's a lot of deep things that you're probably going to have to study, uh, you know, in this thing. But uh, I think we gave a lot today for probably the last is for the rest of the year tonight. Today, I, I wasn't expecting Jesus to to give us this much, but I guess today He's poured out the new wine for us and has awakened, you know, our senses up. I mean, it's amazing. So uh, I love this thing. So I'm sure Lorraine will get type us up the notes. We'll send it to you. Uh, this is God Stories 86 Part Six, but uh, Go after him. I'm sure we'll be tested today, but go after him. Let this lean on the brooding of the spirit. If 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 your attitude it gets to a place of chaos, know that the Holy Spirit is brooding over and he wants to actually live through you at that appointed time. Okay? Because at the time of chaos in your mind is the time of creativity for God. Remember that. The time of chaos of your mind is the time of creativity for God. All right. Okay. Love you guys. Grace to you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope this helps a lot of you guys. I know it's helping me even to speak it, get it out. It's so wonderful to to uh, see everybody be be on this thing and be part of the family. I believe we're all becoming family again. Thank you so much for you know tuning in on this webinar. Please spread the word. Let people get in on this thing because I really think uh, God is really going to start changing us and transforming us. As we hear this stuff and then our baby starts jumping, maybe we can start pushing. In other words, start doing it, start birthing this thing. Even though there might be pain involved, man, just push. Push this baby out. Let him live. All right? Love you guys. Grace, grace. Bye-bye.